Hi, welcome to the Believe in the Bronx podcast. Uh, I am Pete Caldera in Cleveland. We've got Mike Stanton in Houston. Just a bit of a brief uh, introduction. Uh, I've been covering the Yankees uh, since Aaron Boone uh, hit that famous home run. So uh, you can date that. Uh, you'll know how long ago that was. And uh, of course, <laughs> Mike Stanton uh, pitched on six pennant winners, three Yankees World Championship teams. And uh, you may or may not know that uh, Mike Stanton uh, pitched the second most games in Major League history, and uh, two of those guys on the top five uh, are Hall of Famers in Dennis Eckersley and uh, Mariano Rivera. And uh, we're recording this podcast uh, with the Yankees and uh, Cleveland Guardians tied 1-1 in the American League uh, Best of Five Division Series. Uh, Mike, just just some quick impressions, if, if you could, on, on this series and uh, you know where we left it, Aaron Boone, uh, was, was talking about having really having to defend a bit of Aaron judge over uh, eight, seven strikeouts uh, after the amazing season he's had. But listen, uh, you pitched in the Bronx, you understand yeah. that frustration. You could be, uh, you know, riding as high as you can. Uh, and if you don't perform in the biggest spots, you're going to hear it. Bottom line is if you don't perform, yeah, you're, you're going to get the Bronx cheer. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. And you know, uh, you actually learn to accept it. And Aaron has done that. I mean, this isn't a situation. And, and listen, as incredible of a season as uh, as Aaron Judge has had, you, you have to look at it and go, okay, he's still Aaron Judge. You know, that's still a really big dude that if you make mistakes, he's going to hammer it, especially this year. But if you execute pitches, you're going to get the dude out. That's the simple truth to the matter. That's actually just baseball. That's not the Yankees. But we also know that this Yankees lineup can be pitched to, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, you make mistakes. That's why that's, that's when they're going to hurt you. But if you execute, I think that uh, the, you can not just, not just get them out. I think you can make them look bad. I think that's why they are missing DJ LeMahieu. I think they are missing Andrew Benintendi. The reason those guys are in the, in the, uh, in the lineup is because the reason they went out and got Benintendi was because they needed more contact. You know, they needed they needed guys in the lineup that aren't the three true outcome guys, like everybody else in that lineup, home run, strikeout, walk. Right. And, and you you alluded to it. The structure of this Yankees lineup has changed dramatically. This is not the team they wanted to go into October with. They, they have uh, Matt Carpenter back, but he's on the bench. He can't yeah, play barely, barely back. Right. You've got, uh, <laughs> right. You've got John Carlos Stanton filling that, that DH role exclusively now, he can't play the outfield right now. Um, you've got and the, and you've got Aaron Judge leading off when he spent most of the year batting second. I, ideally, you know, traditionally, this is a guy you'd put in the middle of your order. Sure. Uh, you know, now you, you've seen teams like the Toronto Blue Jays use their big slugger and George Springer at the top of the order. You know, the Yankees have been winning uh, in September with, with Judge at the top of that order, but... I don't know. Do you think structurally, would you make any changes to this to this Yankee lineup? You think would you leave Judge right where he is? I think you leave Judge where he is because, uh, you know, I, Pete, I call these, and I've been doing it for years now. I call major league lineups now actually little league lineups because yeah. how they're orchestrated. What do you do? You stack all the best hitters right at the top, and you know when the analytics really started getting involved in 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 baseball at, at a heavy rate. What did you find out? You found out that, you know, the guys in the first three spots, but especially and and it, it it progressively goes down with each spot, gets more at bats. 
So, you know, do you want your punch and Judy, you know, leadoff hitter? You want that dude with 20 or 30 more at bats than your middle of the lineup guys. And that's why you put, uh, you, you put, you know, a power hitter at the top. What I would love to see is I would, I, I'll, if you're going to do this, I think you have to put some kind of on base percentage guy in the nine hole so that there's a chance that even though he's, cause you only, you're only leading off one time a game and that's to start the game after that it's an ongoing cycle. So I, I think that if you can, if you can, um, if you can get somebody in the nine hole that can get on base, that's just going to make your leadoff hitter. That's going to make Aaron judge. You're going to see, he's going to see more pitches, but that's, you yeah. know, it's also changed Pete, you know, the, just the way, just the way that pitchers attack hitters now where, you know, I, I know even back my generation and prior to my generation, you looked at hitters, you, you paid attention to who was around you, you know, around him. You know, you, you looked who was in front of you, looked who, especially who was behind him. But I don't think you do that now. You pitch to the hitter that's at the plate. And if that means I'm going to throw a whole bunch of breaking balls, well, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'll face the next guy. I'll worry about the next guy when he comes to the plate. Right. And you see how uh, Boone has it stacked where, you know, Anthony Rizzo, who's probably the Yankees' second best or more most productive hitter, right, right. behind uh, Judge. But as you said, maybe they need to get uh, – Isaiah Kiner Falefa in, in the nine hole instead of batting him uh, uh, seven or eight. Yeah. Uh, the guy gets at least, you know, makes a little more contact, gets on base. I mean, the other thing is that the, the structure of these two teams, obviously the Yankees are so dependent on the home run. They, mm -hmm. they, uh, and, and when they're not hitting the ball of the ballpark, you, you see how that, uh, you know, they're, they're not a team that's like Cleveland that's, that doesn't strike out, that uh, has a lot of contact, that uh, has a little bit of a speed element. That uh, that seems to not rely obviously on one guy. Jose Ramirez, listen, that that's the guy you don't want to to, to beat you. But uh, but my goodness, does he seem to get <laughs> to talk about Ramirez for just a second? My yeah. goodness, does he still get a lot of pitches to hit? I don't know. You know, he's been the only guy, the only well, I don't. I don't want to say the only guy in that lineup because there have been several guys that have performed very well this year, but he's, you know, he's your dude. He's the marquee name. And for him to continue to get RBI opportunities and capitalize on is truly remarkable. It's truly remarkable. You know, he's the guy, one of the things that you do when you, uh, as a pitching staff, when you, you go through the stick outing reports and you prepare the pitchers for the upcoming series, there's usually a guy that you put an asterisk beside. You say, okay, this is the dude that's not going to beat me. But Jose Ramirez seems to continue to get pitches to hit. And, uh, you know, for the Yankees, it's absolutely judged. With the season that he's had, with the struggles that all the guys around him have had, you know, I, you can understand why a lot of times, there's a lot of times. That's why uh, uh, MVPs, you know, of, 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 well, we don't have an MVP of divisional series, but when we get to the league championship series and the world series, a lot of times the MVPs aren't your marquee names. Why? Because those dudes are pitched differently than they are. And then all of a sudden you have the lesser known, the more support type players, they're coming up with runners on base. You have to throw fastballs to them. You have to put the ball in the zone to them. And what happens? They start getting, you know, they start getting pitches to hit. They start driving in runs and they end up being the MVP if your team wins. You know, to the uh, the structure of this series changed a bit because of the uh, the, the rainout. It eliminated mm -hmm. the uh, the extra travel day, and in, in this uh, particular uh, LDS, uh, there was no 
travel off day coming back after game four. So right. uh, you're in the midst of playing four consecutive postseason games in a row. Uh, as you know more than anyone, how that taxes a bullpen and how uh, teams now rely on bullpens more than ever. Uh, you saw a lot of relievers uh, pitch in, in game two on, on both sides, and you saw uh, the phenomenal – if Yankee fans weren't familiar with Emmanuel Classe, they sure got to know him oh my uh, goodness. In, in game two. Getting seven outs and coming in and uh, you know pitching out of a bases loaded spot, and then kind of dominating the, the rest of the way. But will he be? Uh, when can Terry Francona fire that uh, bullet again? Could it be as as quickly as uh, as in Game Three, or do you have to wait for Game Four? And and uh, how does this potentially impact Game Five when you could potentially see a bullpen game on both sides uh, have to settle this thing in a, in a winner take all? Well, every situation now for, for every team is a little different than years ago. I mean, if you, you just see how bullpens are used in the regular season, very rarely do guys go back-to-back, -back, and you never see guys go three days in a row. Well, guess what? In the postseason, you don't have a choice. And so I think that you know one of Joe Torre's uh, approaches was, we're going to play today, we're going to win today. I'm going to do everything I can to win today's game. If you need it now, here's the thing. A lot of these off days, you know, you'll hear a manager say after a game, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, such and such reliever available today. Well, he knew that all day. He wasn't going to tell anybody, but he knew that all day. That's not necessarily coming from the pitching coach. It's not coming from the manager. A lot of that's coming from upstairs. It's coming from the analytics department. It's coming from the uh, the medical department that you're trying to keep these guys healthy. So, you know, but you get into the playoffs now, all of a sudden, you know, you need these guys to pitch two days in a row or three days in a row or whatever, you know, whatever it is, because you've got a limited number of games and now you're playing for the ultimate prize, which is a world series championship. So I, I, I know Tito Francona is a guy that, that pays attention to, you know, listens to his players is a great player manager, but you know, one of the things that Joe always said, Joe Torrey always said was, um, if you need a day off, tell me don't put spikes on and don't go to the bullpen. Cause if you do, I very well may use you. So, uh, you know, it, it was, it was actually one of the, the things that, you know, I kind of took pride in being available every day. Uh, but there were definitely times that I was in games that I should not have been in games. And it wasn't because of Joe, I told him I was okay, but now it's not coming from the player. Now it's coming from the organization itself. And I think that that becomes an issue because it's, you know, the old saying, you know, been there, done that. Well, a lot of these guys haven't been there and they haven't done that. And that being throwing, you know, three, you know, multiple days in a row and having to go out in the most pressure of situations and execute pitches. But I think that uh, the, if Classe says he's okay, I think that if they get in the right situation, Tito absolutely uses it. Yeah. You know, and two, uh, the Yankees uh, in, in game two had to employ a starter uh, into a, a late inning bullpen role, a guy who right. hadn't pitched out of the bullpen at all in Jamison Tyone. Um, different animal, obviously, coming into that situation than uh, than having to, to pitch every fifth day. What was your opinion of that? And, and how tough is that to transition from, uh, you know, being a starter and all of a sudden being thrust into a bullpen situation in a, in a, in a playoff game? 
it can be very difficult. And what makes it difficult? Is it pitching? No. I mean, because you've been doing it all your life. It's it's the psychological side. It's the mental approach. And I thought Jameson did did fine. I mean, you're talking about two bloops. And then, uh, yeah. and then uh, was it Naylor actually, you know, got a fastball to handle. And you knew that you had a feeling that was coming after the two bloops. Somebody was going to square up a ball. And, but I thought he threw the ball fine. Uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, you had opportunities, but you weren't able to capitalize. Uh, you know, the couple things uh, going into this, I, I think that the Yankees have, and I think you, you can say this across the board with all the teams that did not play in the first round. I think they've all struggled. You know, even, you know, even the Astros, you look at what they've done. They've been bailed out by Jordan. You know, um, Justin Verlander absolutely did not. I mean, you're talking about a guy. His last start, he went five no-hit innings, striking out 10. And in game one, he looked like he didn't know where the ball was going at all. You know, Cole pitched, pitched very well. But, you know, it's not just the pitchers that struggled. The hitters can struggle also. And when you're a Yankee team that really relies on the big swing, timing is going to be everything. And if pitchers can disrupt that timing or – the schedule disrupts that timing. I think this is something that, that Pete, you and I, we're going to have to talk. When all this is said and done, yeah. we'll do the podcast in the offseason. We're going to have right. to have a long discussion about about this this layoff and what affected, you know, what how it affected each individual team. Because I think that's something that there is some discussion about it, but it's the biggest reason why I have I have uh, been against this whole idea of having a wild card series. Right. is because you can't have the best teams in the sport sitting for a week before they play baseball. Yeah, yeah, these teams are, are playing and gaining momentum. And, uh, you know, there's uh, on the one hand, yeah, for a veteran team like the Yankees, do they, uh, do they welcome the, the time off? Yes, but but sitting around for five days and then having to have an off-day situation followed by a rainout situation. Right. They played two games in the last nine days. Yeah, they played and, uh, one game in eight days. They played yeah. one game in eight days. Right. And that, hey, and and I'm not making excuses. This is just fact. This baseball is an everyday sport. I mean, it's already the hardest thing to do, you know, round ball, round bat, coming in and cutting and slicing and sinking and riding and all that kind of. And then we got to square it up, uh, you know. So it's already hard to do. And when you're used to doing it on a daily basis, that's that's really now all of a sudden you're sitting for a week. That's that that's not conducive to going out there and being on time. And that's you gotta remember, that's why pitchers throw off speed pitches is to screw up the hitter's timing. But the other side of it, there's timing for the pitchers too. You know, what what a pitcher does in his delivery, it's the mechanical side, you know, what you actually physically do to throw the baseball, but there's also timing and tempo. And it's just as important. And that timing and tempo can be messed up because of long layoffs also. That's one of the crazy things about Mariano was that Mariano could actually sit for a week and still go out there and have the same delivery, have the same command. I was definitely not that way. If I sat more than three days, I know there was a, there was a game that um, I think it was a playoff game that Joe, I, I, I came in the game, but I didn't pitch much in the series before, maybe one time early. And I had sat for about a week and I, I you know, did my job and I come out and, and Joe goes to take the ball from me. And all he looks at me, goes, I really didn't know what to expect. I handed him the ball and said, neither did I, and turned around and walked <laughs> off. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up Mariano, Mike, because I, I wanted to kind of take you back uh, a few years. You know, 
when you pitch for the Yankees, the World Series was was almost an annual event. Uh, mm-hmm. The Yankees now have not been to a World Series since 2009. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure on this team, on this organization, on this general manager, on this manager uh, sure. to, to get this team to where they expected to be when the season began, which was against the Houston Astros in, a, in an American League Championship Series. And, and let's see how it goes from here. Um, you know, and being in Cleveland, I recall the, the last time a, a Yankee team had a real heap of pressure on them uh, in this town into a playoff game. 1998, that 114 win team. This was a team that, uh, I mean, once it got to the playoffs, it, it was World Series of bust, win yeah. a championship, get to the Canyon of Heroes, no questions asked. Anything else would have been would have been an epic failure after that regular season that you guys had. You came into Cleveland in 1998. You're down two games to one in a best of seven ALCS, and uh, El Duque has to uh, uh, turn that uh, series around, pitch right. you guys to. Uh, to a victory. You got a piece of that. You came in right after El Duque and then Mariano closed that out. Do you recall how much pressure was on that team coming into that game in that series? Well, there was a lot of pressure, but it was all self-imposed. But you also have to remember the year before 97, the Indians knocked us out in the first round. You know, that was the, what was it, Sandy Alomar opposite Sandy Alomar home Homer in the eighth off inning of, off, of the yeah, off of Mariano. And, four, and yeah. so, you, you know, we were a very, very good team. Yes, we won a bunch of games in the regular season. But you could actually look at the Cleveland Indians and say, you know, they were if, – if, if we were one, they were 1A in the league. I mean, they were that good. They had an incredibly powerful lineup with Tommy and, and, and all the guys. Uh, I so I, I remember uh, – yeah. yeah, and Manny was actually a relatively young guy. Uh, yeah. You had uh, Albert Bell. I mean, there was just a, they just had some beasts in their lineup. Um, so, yeah, there was some pressure. And that that's just that's the thing, Pete. You know, you look back and, and, you know, especially after all these years and you go, OK, yes, that was a dominant, dominant team. But if you look back at the series, they were not you know, it wasn't like we just walked all over everyone. I mean, even you go to the World Series that year, and we played San Diego, and I think uh, it was four and out. We we swept San Diego, but every one of uh, three or four, three of the four games, I think, were very tight, and yes. somebody made a big swing. You know, Tina Martinez hits the home run or, or whatever it was, and that's what put you know put us put us over the edge. But it wasn't like you know we just walked all over the whole league. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, and I remember you're right that that World Series. Uh, uh, I mean, that's why Brocious won the uh, the MVP that year. Yeah. A big home run off of uh, Hoffman. And uh, yeah, those those were it was a pretty close games uh, all the way around. Um, you know, history gives us that 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 perspective. But, you know, that just to go back to, to Aaron Judge, that that's a season that will go down in history. And sure. um, and now, um, you know, there's a lot of inherent pressures on 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 a guy like him to be the focus of their lineup and to, and to get them where they they want to be um you know i don't know this is for later how we'll remember this entire season when, when it's all said and done but um you know just to get back mike to to the way the fans treated the uh, judge listen i i was in that ballpark i've heard intense booing at yankee stadium this sure. was not the uh, you know, this was not the the fans all over Ed Whitson or 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 even Joey Gallo. Uh, right. It was more groaning disappointment than 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 anything. But we've also seen Judge 
deal with the pressure of getting to 62 home runs. And there's an immense amount of pressure on him uh, in, in those few weeks to, to, do, to get, go up there and do what people wanted him to do, which was to hit a home run. Now, obviously, you want to see him carry this team through another postseason here. Um, is this pressure inherently unfair on Judge? Is it, are we too much focused on, on him? Or is, is it really his responsibility, especially a guy that's walking into a free agent situation now, to take this team on, on, uh, you know, on his shoulders again and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to carry us through here? He needs help. I mean, this is yeah. not, you know, it's not like he's the quarterback. And right. even, in, you know, even in those situations, the NFL, quarterback still has to have somebody catch the ball. You know, so uh, in, in, in this sport, if there's no one on in front of him, he can hit the home run. Yeah, it looks good, but that, you know, you know, I had a, I had a coach uh, in double A, you know, back in, back in 1987, tell me that solo home runs don't beat people, especially if you're a starting pitcher. You know, if you're going to give up a solo home run, so be it. Uh, it's the three run shot that kills you. Um, but, you know, he, he needs, he needs help. I mean, I also think that I was thinking about this earlier the time that the game was played yesterday was brutal. The, yeah. the, the lighting was terrible and it's because of the shadows, but you go, well, they play day games all year, a day game in June and a day game in October in New York are completely different animals. You know, that sun's, that sun's going down early. Uh, there's shadows. And, and then with, with, you know, the whole Yankee lineup, because you saw some swings you saw the same thing in Philadelphia uh, with with uh, with Aaron Nola on the. There were some swings by the Atlanta Braves that they were missing by feet, which means yeah. they are absolutely not picking up the ball whatsoever. And a lot of that has to do with with the lighting. You say, yeah, they're big league stadiums and lighting's great, but when it's not dark out, the lights on the stadium they haven't taken over. I think that had a lot to do with the offense yesterday, also. But the thing is. Once you start struggling, and momentum is everything, you know, um, once you start struggling and you get into the third, the fourth, the fifth inning, you haven't got a hit, you haven't had any base runners, now all of a sudden uh, the pucker factor goes way up. And now all of a sudden mm -hmm. you, start, you start grinding out the at-bats a little bit harder and you get out of your element. I mean, that's ultimately one of the th – people have asked me so many times, how can you pitch so well in, in the pressure situations? I said – for me, what I had to do is I had to belittle the moment, meaning yeah. I still have to take this ball. I still have to hit my spot to get the hitter out. That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're, you know, you're playing backyard against your little brother or you're playing in Yankee Stadium in a World Series. It's still about execution and performance. And, you know, when you get out of your, you get out of your mental approach, you don't get your your the physical part of the game doesn't get to show, right? And uh, you know, and you, know, we, you talk about the the help you need and the balance, uh, the the imbalance, I guess what you yeah. could say in, in this Yankees lineup right now. You know, you've got a rookie uh, in Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, you know, it now thrust into a postseason situation. Right. You know, two months ago this this guy was at Scranton. He had a terrific uh, you know month and a half with the Yankees, but. Uh, Playoffs is a different animal. Um, you've got, uh, you know, a, sort of a compromised bottom of the order right now. And, and when the, the big guys aren't uh, you know, firing in, in the middle there, 
uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of pressure to, to, to put on on just one guy. Um, hey, just when we we've got a couple of minutes left here, Mike, just want to get uh, some quick hits from you on on the uh, the other series going on. First, uh, just a, a quick hit again about uh, what uh, Houston's been able to do and and yeah. Jordan uh, breaking up these games really because Seattle's oh played a couple of good games. They have, they have. I mean, they've been competitive. Um, you know, they came in as kind of as hot as any team in baseball. The way they've uh, they took care of business. It was. Uh, it's been a pretty remarkable run. Uh, and the Seattle Mariners are a very good team. I know they're in the the Great Northwest, and and a lot of people don't they don't talk about them. But uh, that's a young, talented team. They can pitch. Was not the biggest fan of Robbie Ray coming in in that situation, and that's uh, that's not hindsight. I actually said it when I heard the name. I was I was actually listening on the radio. I was like, "That's not a good matchup." Left on, listen. They have yeah. two guys. I know they got Gilbert going today, who's been devastating on left-handers, but they've got two guys in their lineup that that don't just hit left-handers; they kill left-handers. And that's Jordan, and the other one is Kyle Tucker. And what the reason I say that is they're guys that do it for power. But you're just not going to throw a fastball by Jordan Alvarez. I mean, that's that's just the simple truth to the matter. He threw the first pitch breaking ball. He should have thrown that breaking ball until you either walked him or he, you know, he was out. Whatever. You're just not going to. Uh, you're not going to. You're just not going to power the ball by Jordan. So I didn't like that matchup. But you know, they've been competitive. There's no doubt about it. And you know. Everyone said, you know, they were over after the first game of the series. You know, the series was over. I, you know, I, I didn't, obviously, it was a big win for the Astros. The way they did it with Jordan with the big swing. Uh, and then another one in game two. But, you know, that's still a very good team. They're going to have to play. And I can tell you, they haven't played a playoff game in Seattle in a very, very long time. That yes. place is going – T-Mobile Park is going to be rocking and rolling. That's going to be a hostile yes. environment. Absolutely. Um, were you surprised at any uh, point that uh, San Diego did what they did to the New York Mets and uh, where they are now when you thought the Dodgers had a, a divine right to, to, to get right. a pass into the World Series? this year? I was a little surprised that we didn't see that Scherzer didn't pitch better, which Scherzer has not been a great postseason pitcher. Um, you know, even though he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, he's one of the best pitchers of the generation without a doubt. You know, the postseason, he, I still think even at his advanced age, he gets a little amped up. Yeah. And when he does that, he overthrows and he doesn't have location. He actually said that he had, he couldn't get location to the arm side of the plate. Uh, everything kept leaking back over the plate. And, you know, if you notice all the balls that were hit hard, they were all fastballs. And a lot of times he doesn't start throwing breaking balls till after they hit his fastball. Unfortunately, some of those go out of the ballpark. And I was a little, so I was a little surprised then with DeGrom going in game two and DeGrom was good, but um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a little surprising, uh, not shocked because the Padres are a very, very good baseball team. Yeah. Um, I thought the Dodgers were susceptible. I really did. And, the, you know, uh, incredible season, 111 wins, just walked away from pretty much everybody in baseball as far as the record is concerned. But when you look at the team, the starting rotation, I was a little concerned with that. The back end of their bullpen, I was a little concerned with that. And, um, you know, there, you know uh, this, is, this was such a weird year, Pete, for offense across the board. I mean, the league average 
was like what 242 in batting average or something like it was in the 240s. I mean, well lower than anything else we've ever seen. So even as great as an awesome offensive team as they they have been, um, I thought they were susceptible. The crazy thing is the teams that I thought that that they were going to have to really pay attention to, Mets, they're out, and the Braves. You know, I think the Braves were the best well-rounded team in uh, in the National League, but I think the the uh, the layoff has definitely definitely affected those dudes. Yeah, and you know, I, you know Rob Thompson well from from your Yankees sure. days. Uh, yeah, I think he just signed a two-year extension a few days ago. He may want to uh, tear that up and uh, drop a new one if he wants. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you well, what. It's a. Uh, uh, even even with you know the 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 more games that you're going to play with that they played in the wild card which i think in the playoffs that's actually a benefit especially for the teams that win obviously the teams that lose that's not a benefit but for the teams that win you know i think playing the extra games man you get to build momentum you get to build excitement and uh and when you do that in, now i'm not talking about in the stadium i'm talking about in the clubhouse when you get that confidence yeah. growing in the clubhouse you really don't care who you're playing and it seems like you know, if 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 the Padres can beat the Dodgers and the Phillies can beat the Braves, um, the Padres are going to be are going to be the the team to beat. But man, the Phillies are scary right now because they're hot. They're hitting the ball. They're driving the ball, and you know they have they have the top of the rotation to go eighteen shutout. Yeah, amazing. A lot of unpredictable things happening in this postseason. Oh, it's, it's been great it's, so far, and we're not even halfway through. Exactly. And we got more to come. Uh, I've enjoyed this, Mike. Thank you very much. This has uh, been our first podcast together, yeah. Believe in the Bronx. Hope you guys uh, will, will keep following us and uh, we'll, uh, I hope you enjoy the games and uh, we'll see you after the uh, after game two as well. Yeah, Pete, we'll have to do it again very, very soon. And uh, we'll just have to see what baseball has in store for us. Sounds great. All right, Mike. All right. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to this October run and uh, everything that comes uh, after this. And uh, we hope you'll keep joining us, too. Thank you. 